0: Amen. Look at First Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. Look what it says there. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice there he said he wants you to be sanctified holy, all of you. Okay? And when he mentions all of you, he specifically mentions three things. He mentions the body, the soul, and the spirit. Okay, We believe in the Trinity around here. We believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we also believe that we are a Trinity also. That we have a body, that we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Okay? That's, and that's something that we see right here in this passage. And um, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Notice what it says here. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So notice there it mentions how you know, the Word of God, it can divide asunder the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. So we see another reference there To the body, soul, and spirit of man. We all know we have these things. I think everybody acknowledges that. But I've gotten a lot of questions before, and honestly, I've had a lot of my own questions because there's often confusion when it comes to the soul and the spirit, okay? I think when it comes to body, soul, and spirit, while we all recognize that, I think we've all got down the body part, okay? We all know which part of us is the body. We understand that. But there are three of us, okay, in a sense. We do have that body. Soul and spirit, and each one of them are very important. I want to kind of give what I want to do tonight. I want to use the scriptures to kind of help you distinguish the role of the body, soul, and spirit. You know, which one is which, especially in the soul and spirit. We all understand the body part, but I want us to know the difference, difference between the soul and the spirit. And I believe when we see these things, there are some great, there's some really good lessons that we can learn to just help us. In our daily life, which is ultimately what I want to do in this message, and so I'm going to use a lot of illustrations to kind of help describe these things. And illustrations are never perfect, all right. I'm, I'm going to do my best to, you know, be accurate with the with the Word of God and trying to illustrate how the body, soul, and spirit all work together. Some of my illustrations might not be perfect, but ultimately, what I'm wanting to, you all to get out of this message is really what Hebrews 4:12 is all about, because I think there's some some great lessons there. So. Since we're familiar with the body, let's focus on the soul and spirit right now. Okay, so what is the spirit? We've got a spirit. What is it exactly? Well, James chapter 2 and verse 26. uh, Turn over there, James chapter 2 and verse 26. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Right there, it's real clear that a body that does not have a spirit is dead. Y'all see that? Um, look at what it says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 8. I believe that death is when our spirit leaves our body. Okay? You hear people talk about being clinically dead a lot, which means they flatline. But the truth is, you're not really dead until your spirit leaves your body. Okay? You can be clinically dead, but there's a difference between clinically dead and dead dead. Okay, And um, you know, we don't come back from death unless it is this great miracle of God. Uh, but death is when your spirit leaves the body. Genesis twenty five eight. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. I think ghost and spirit are the same thing. Just kind of like the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same thing. Genesis twenty five seventeen says, and these are the years of the life of Ishmael, one hundred and thirty and seven, and he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto the people. What's going on there? He's given up the ghost. All right. You get old, you get weak, or let's say you just get hurt so bad, the way I kind of look at it, it's like your body just can't hang on to life itself anymore, and that spirit or that life, it leaves you, okay? You could kind of say you breathe it out of you. You know, you take that last breath, okay? And that word ghost, if you look at the definition of it, it means to breathe out. You know, that is, by implication, expire. Or die, be dead, give up the ghost, perish. So that's what, when a person dies, I believe they're you know, giving up the ghost, they're breathing in that last breath, life is leaving their body, or the spirit is leaving their body. And when the body has no spirit, it's dead. Because think about how, you know, the things that often kill us, you know, we've got doctors that are pretty good at doing stuff. You know, why is it that doctors can't just put us back together and fix us? And then, you know, bring us back, you know, because they can't recreate a spirit. Think about people who've had heart transplants before. I mean, they've literally had a heart transplant and survived. I I know a guy who had a heart transplant and lived, I think another 10 or 12 years with somebody else's heart. Pretty amazing thing right there. But understand in that whole process, his spirit never left his body, did it? And so that worked. But what if somebody dies of a heart attack? Somebody dies of a heart attack, they can't after that go and put a new heart in. Why is that? Because even though they would be doing the same process, if a body doesn't have a spirit, it's you know not going to come back. And doctors can't figure out how to create a spirit or go find the spirit and put it back in the body. And you know what? They're never going to figure that out. They're, they're, they're never going to figure out how to do that. Acts 7.59 says, and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Okay? And I, I personally believe what he was talking about, saying, you know, receive my spirit. You know, Stephen's getting stoned. Now, that's an amazing thing. I don't know everything Stephen was feeling, but I mean, when, when they're stoning him, it talks about how they, you know, they saw him, they looked on him, he had the face of an angel. He seemed like he was in great peace during that time. When I read the book, when I read that, I don't know, it looks like, Stephen is not even hurt by what's going on when you read that story. Because you know he just seems to be completely at peace. And there he goes. And he, you know, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know, who prays that when they're getting stumped to death? But I personally believe this guy, he was just so full of the Holy Ghost. He was so in tune with God, he was somebody who, you know, the word of God had divided that soul and spirit from the joints and marrow. And I'll, I'll say more about that later. That it's like when this is going on, when he should be in great agony, it's like it's not even bothering him. And I, I think there's, there's a reason for that. But Genesis 2 7. It says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So it was God that breathed life into man. And one of these days, we're going to breathe that life out of us. We're going to breathe that spirit out of us. And the body without the spirit is dead. We will have a dead body. If I'm healthy right now, but if there was a way to physically extract my spirit from my body... I would be dead. And I, I, you can't survive without a spirit. And so, um, no, I lost my spot here. So our spirit, though, when it comes to it, it, when the Bible talks about the spirit, it can often be a reference to our personality. Okay? have you ever heard somebody talk about somebody's spirit? You know, they got a bad spirit, or they got a real good spirit. They got a real sweet spirit. Uh, you know, she's got a meek and quiet spirit. We hear all those things. What's that referring to? Well, that, because think about this. We have life inside of us and that life is what gives us personality, right? I mean, like I said, a body without a spirit is really boring, isn't it? You know, you, you got you to gotta bury it. You got you to gotta get rid of it. And I've seen some people before that were breathing, but they didn't have much spirit in them. It's like there's, a, there's no personality in that person at all. you talk to them. It's like talking to a wall. Uh, we've, all, we've all known people like that. But there's a lot of spirit, You know, there's that angry spirit. The Bible warns you about that guy with an angry spirit. And so when somebody explains your personality, I think many times they're explaining your, they're explaining your spirit. And I believe our spirit is, that, is connected to our body. A okay, proof of that is, you know, how many of you have a bad spirit when you're hungry? okay. Don't point at me. <laughs> or, you know, you have a bad spirit when you're way behind in your sleep, when you're really tired. Um, you know, you have a bad spirit when you have you know, gone a day without caffeine or something like that. You know, uh, I'm naming off all my things. All right. But, um, you know, what's going on there? Well, our body, okay, our body, it, it affects everything. And it can cause us to be, you know, we get in bad moods, don't we? We get in bad spirits. A lot of times if we're in pain, we've got a really bad spirit, don't we? We, you know, if we're sick, we can just, we can be pretty miserable people. Why is that? It's because the body and the spirit, they're, you know, they're connected together. They affect each other. And we all see that, and you might not think you're like that, but just ask your spouse, ask anybody that lives with you, and they will all tell you that, yes, your body, the condition of your body does affect your spirit. And so the Word of God, this word where Hebrews 4.12 comes in, I believe it can help separate those in a sense. okay? Because while we're all connected, they're all different from each other. Okay, And one of the things that we're supposed to do as Christians, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh is bad. Our flesh is bad news. Our flesh desires sin. And if we are giving in to the flesh, we're going to do bad things. And that's why we get in bad spirits often when our body isn't doing real good because of the fact we are we're very carnal people we're so focused on the body, we're so focused on this you know, physical condition of ours that many times when we're in pain, when we're sick, when we're doing without something, we let it affect our attitude and we let it affect our spirit in a very negative way. And I believe the Word of God can help us with that. We see men like the Apostle Paul who had the thorn in the flesh that he asked God to remove from him three times. And God didn't do it. He said, my grace is sufficient. We see how Paul said, you know, he learned that in his weakness, he is strong. And, and there's a lot we could say on that. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. I might preach a, a future message on that. But, you know, the Word of God, it's, it's what helps us. And I think a good illustration of this that we saw recently was well, some of you might remember Ms. Kelly Monkovsky, Brother Jason Monkovsky's wife, pastors in Quincy. They were here several years ago. My, my wife's good friend just passed away. And, you know, that, that poor lady, she suffered for so long. You know, she had that cancer for, I think, over a year. She tried the natural route where she just, you know, didn't eat anything, you know, taking all the vitamins and all that stuff. And, uh, and it, was, it was hard on her. It was difficult. You know, she was, she was very miserable because, you know, physically that was rough. But she was trying to survive. You know, she's got a husband. She's got five kids. She wants to survive. She wants to live. And then finally, after take, doing the natural route, I mean, that almost killed her. And then finally she ended up doing the the chemo route and everything. And it was just a, it was, it was a struggle. It was tough. But you know what? What my wife saw this when she was there, everybody else that talked to her there at, there at the end, when it finally got to the point where, you know, she realized, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to survive this thing. I, I can't beat this thing. When she finally decided I'm done fighting it, all of a sudden man, her personality i mean she everybody said she's just smiling she was just happy and here she is i mean she barely weighs anything you know she's been suffering for a couple years and she's you know at her worst point i mean just just in horrible physical condition and the woman is just beaming with joy now why is that how can that happen you know most of us i mean we have a little hunger pain and we're miserable And here she is dying and she's as happy as can be. What was that? You know what it was is she finally got to the point where, you know what, I can't fight it anymore. And now all she's doing is just living, claiming the promises of God that she is literally days away from being in heaven. And she was thrilled about that. She was days away from being or from suffering ever again, where she'd never suffer again. And she was, she was saved. She knew she was going to heaven. And what happened? She's, and what is, how did she know that? Okay. How does she know that? Only the word of God. Only the word of God is the only thing that was telling her that she only had better things to look forward to. I mean, shouldn't she be panicking? Shouldn't she be worrying to death? She's got five little kids that she's leaving behind. She's got a husband that she's leaving behind, but you know what? She had done everything she could. There was, no, there was nothing else she could even try. What did she do? She just, you know, gave it all to God, trusted in Him, claimed the promises, and here she is at a point that none of us have ever been to physically, and she is beaming with joy. Where does that come from? I believe at that point, it's like the Word of God. It literally, it's, it's like it's separated that body and soul and spirit, where it's like the body is no longer affecting the spirit. She's completely in the spirit. How was she able to be that way? Because of the Word of God. She was claiming the promises of the Word of God and the body wasn't getting in the way. Now, it's pretty sad that most of us, we never learn how to do that until we're dying. You know, until we're in a horrible, horrible situation. But yet... that kind of lies with what the Bible says, because you know what? It's in weakness that God shows himself strong many times. A lot, I remember um, you know, early in my ministry, I remember I was working at Walmart in Spring Valley, and they started doing some mandatory overtime, and it was always on Saturday nights. And I remember I had to work Saturday night all night until church the next day. And I was supposed to be preaching that day. I was preaching all the services that day. And I remember I had worked, I had done that once before, and I wasn't preaching that day, but people knew I had worked the night before, and everybody was, wow, you look tired, you look tired. I was like, I don't look tired, you're just telling me that, because you know I was up all night last night. And, you know, and, it made, it, and I was in a bad mood, because I was letting the body affect my spirit. You know, And so I remember, I was worried about that, I was like, man, I've got to work all night, and then i got to preach the next day. And I thought, this is going to be terrible, man, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach good. And I remember, I'm just, I'm just praying, you know, don't worry, I need help. And I didn't let anybody know I had worked all night the night before because I didn't want to listen. Everybody tell me how tired I looked. Well, I'm telling you, I don't even remember what I preached that day. I remember I got done preaching that day, and I, I had more people, you know, coming up and telling me, "Man, I that message was so great. That helped me so much." And I remember, I mean, I, you know, I had so many people telling me they were blessed by it and they were helped by it, and I'm thinking. I didn't think that was very good at all. You know, I, I didn't even think it was going to be good when I did it. I didn't think it was good, but you know what? I came to the conclusion, you know, what? I, I was kind of depending on the Lord when I preached that message. You know what? He helped me. He helped me. Why? Because I was tired. I was weak and I knew that I needed him. And you know what? He helped. I got out of the way and the, you know, the spirit was able to take over and, you know, we need to learn how to do that. You know, all the time. Not just when we're dying, not just when we're sick, not when we're at the end of our life. We need to do that all the time. And uh, what a you know, there's some great what a great lesson that is there. So I do I believe the word of God is what helps that, and as Christians we've got to, if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mark fourteen thirty eight, Jesus said, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Why did he bring that up? Hey, these guys in spirit, they wanted to pray and they wanted to be there for Jesus. They wanted to help him out, but they kept falling asleep. Why was that? The flesh was getting in the way. You know, they did. They wanted, if you were to ask them, hey, do you want to be, help Jesus out tonight? Do you want to pray like he told you to do? Yeah, we want to do that. Well, why didn't they do it? The flesh got in the way. They were tired and they kept falling asleep and Jesus told them, you, know, you need to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You know, you've got good intentions. Peter, just before that, he had said, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. And he said, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crow twice. And sure enough, Peter did. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. That flesh, it gets in the way. And we've got to learn to depend on the word of God, to claim the promises of the word of God. And it will help divide those things to where we're still going to have this body, but it won't be getting in the way. It won't be stopping us from doing the things that we need to do. So we need to understand, too, that you know, we can be pure in body, but not in spirit. Okay? We can be pure in body, but not in spirit. You know, the truth is that evil, it starts in the spirit, but comes out in the body later. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 34. It says, There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world that she may please her husband. So it mentions being pure in body and in spirit. Okay, that's important. You're, you need to teach your kids to be pure in body, but you also need to teach them to be pure in spirit too. Well, why is that? Because evil, it starts in the heart. Evil starts in the spirit. We do the, the evil things that people do. Start there. Look at what it says in Matthew 15, In verse 17, it says, "...do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies." These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile if not a man. Okay, Murderers, they don't just you know, turn into murderers overnight. You know, they plot these things. They plan these things. They do it in their heart first. It's something they do in the spirit first, and then later it comes out in the body. They actually physically do it. Same thing you know, with the adultery and with perversion. And the thing is, you can have a pure body... But if you're watching junk on the television, you're watching junk on the internet all the time, you know, your young, pure children who maybe they've never physically done anything with anybody. If they're watching that junk, you know what? They're not going to be pure in spirit. And if they're not pure in spirit, it's only a matter of time where they're not going to be pure in body anymore. So you better watch out for that stuff and you better guard them and be very careful. And, And this is why perverts are so dangerous too. Because there's a lot of perverts out there. Maybe they physically haven't done anything yet, but I mean they are as perverted as all get out in the heart. They've watched all the junk, they've you know got it in their head, they've got it in their mind, and they're just waiting for that opportunity. And what's so bad about perverts and what they do is you can is they will go and they will defile some innocent child, one who is pure in mind. or in spirit and in body. And then they go and they defile them like that, and that little child who was pure in spirit, now they've got this memory and it, it messes them up. And you see today that, you know, I mean a good portion of your homosexual crowd and stuff are people who are victims of abuse. You know, what happened? What is it that messed these people up? Well, some pervert came along and he defiled their body and it ended up messing up their heart. It ended up getting into their mind and they ended up they end up getting angry at God. They end up getting corrupted. And it's sad when you see something like that. And that's a tough situation. That's why you want to guard your kids, because if some pervert comes along and they go and they defile your child's body, understand that, you know, in the eyes of God, you know, your your child didn't do anything wrong, okay? Their spirit was clean, but now I mean it's, going to, it's, it's been damaged. It's been hurt, and it's going to take a lot of prayer, and it's going to take a lot of help to help them overcome that. And that's why perverts are so dangerous. And that's why you know, the Bible teaches they need to be put down you know, like a sick dog. And uh, I, I wish our, our nation would do that. But, um, you know, e- so even when we get saved, you know, so we talk, we're talking about the Spirit and how that all, it's often related to life, but when we get saved... The Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we now have eternal life. Okay? So keep all this in mind because we're going to start thinking here in a little bit. All right? And I hope I don't confuse everybody. I hope I don't confuse myself. All right? Uh, But um, when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have eternal life. Okay? The spirit of Tommy McMurtry that I was born with was one that was temporary, okay? The body I was born with is temporary. The spirit that I was born with is temporary. Had I never got saved, that spirit would eventually have left my body. And it would have been gone had I not gotten saved. It would have gone back to where it came from. And I'll explain that here in a minute, okay? But when I got saved, I received the Holy Spirit of God, therefore I have eternal life. Or my spirit is now eternal. It's never going to die. Okay. While my spirit will one day be separated from my body, my spirit will never be separated from my soul. Okay? And so I'll, I'll explain more of that. I think you'll understand more of that as we go. So for example, so uh, you know, often when the Bible talks about the heart, it, I believe it's referring to the spirit, you know, which is kind of the center of who we are. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, those of us who are saved, you know, our body, our spirit, they belong to God. And it, and it talks about how... Um, oh, I lost the spot there. But, you know... He, he dwells inside of us, okay? And one diagram I've seen people use before of the body, soul, and the spirit, you have like the spirit, it's like that you know, circle in the center, and then you have another circle surrounding it, which they'll call the soul, and then surrounding that, you would have another circle calling the body. Okay? I probably should have had one up here that I could show you. I think that's a, good, I think that's a pretty good illustration. For example, but um, when, for, so when Jesus died on the cross, all right, let's think about this for a minute. To try to illustrate. When Jesus died on the cross, we know that his soul went to hell, right? Because it says, Thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Okay? While this, the the illustration of God being the soul, you know, the Holy Spirit being the Spirit and Jesus being the body, it's a good illustration. We know that Jesus had his own spirit and he had his own soul along with his own body. Just like we do. While God the Father was still in heaven, while the Holy Spirit is still everywhere doing his thing, Jesus had his own body, soul, and spirit. And we know that when Jesus died, his soul went to hell. So thou will not leave my soul in hell nor suffer thine holy one to see corruption. What's the holy one referring to? That's referring to the body. That it would not see corruption. That's spelled out in the book of Acts. Jesus' body lay in the tomb for three days, but it didn't rot away like our bodies will. It didn't deteriorate. You know why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? But remember, when Jesus was dying on the cross, so what about His Spirit? What happened to the Spirit of Jesus? Well, look at Luke 23 and verse 46. And Jesus, when He had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So where where did Jesus' spirit go? It went up. It went to heaven. It went to the Father. Okay. And notice, and this is what I believe, I believe everyone's spirits, when they die, it goes to heaven. Alright? So wait, what about you know, Job Lowe who's lost and didn't get saved. you're saying his spirit is in heaven? Well, uh, look at what it says in uh, Ecclesiastes 3.19. It says, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them as one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is bandied. All go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to earth. Okay, so if I say the soul, so right there it says the spirit of man goeth upward. So am I saying, though, you know, okay, latest famous guy that died, you know, Stephen Hawking. All right. I'm saying his spirit went to heaven. Does that mean I'm going to see Stephen Hawking in heaven? No. No, his, the life of Stephen Hawking His life that he had, it originated from God, didn't he? But you know what? When he died, okay, he really died. And his life, it went back to where it came from. And he is not what was, no, he is dead. His body's in a grave and his soul is in hell. And and the life that he had that animated that body is gone. Okay, just like an animal, okay? It mentions the spirit of an animal, all right? I'm sorry, your, anim- your pets aren't going to heaven, all right? McMurtries, we are known for failing at taking care of pets. We've just got a bunch of fish the other day, we've already had a three die. We do our best to take care of it, but we stink at taking care of pets. Don't ever ask us to babysit your pets. First of all, we don't want to do it. Second of all, it might not survive, all right? It just, it's just, we're, we're bad at it. And if it dies, <laughs> you're never going to see it again, all right? It, the, it's life. It's spirit, it's going to go to the ground. Why does it say it that way? Well, because, and don't take this the wrong way too, but you know, I believe that, you know, animals have life, you know, trees have life, things like that, but it all comes from, it comes from God, but it came from nature too, which was made by God. Okay, but the life of man is something special. It's something that was directly breathed into, you know, God breathed into man's nostrils, the breath of life, man became a living soul. God did not do that with the animals. There is a difference between the life of man and the life of animals. And so I personally believe when a a person dies, the spirit or life leaves them and it goes back to where it came from, comes from God. And that's why what people need, they need to have eternal life. So they themselves or their soul, who is who they really are, we'll get into that in a little bit, can actually go on forever and and enjoy eternal life. Because people like Stephen Hawking, who lost his spirit, all he has now is misery and hell. that's That's all he has. That's all he ever will have. He will resurrect one day to stand before the great white throne of judgment, only to be cast into the lake of fire. That's all he's got to look forward to. And you know what? And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But what does the Bible say too? At the great white throne, okay, after that thousand year millennial reign, we have a resurrection again. But it refers to those who are standing before the great white throne. It doesn't say that they're alive. It refers to them as the dead. He says, I saw the dead. Why is that? Because we've got a body and we've got a soul. Stand, but there, there's no spirit. Okay. The body and the soul is there, but there is no spirit. You know why? Because they're dead. They're walking, but they are dead. And those who are dead, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so, you know, and and hopefully, you know, all my technical stuff I'm getting here is right, but a lot of this is kind of illustration. But, um, but, you know, so we need to understand, you know, um, so that I think is a good way to explain the spirit. It's just kind of our life force. For lack of a better term, that sounds terrible. That sounds very new ageish. All right, but you know it's what animates us. Okay, it's you know it's, you're seeing. You're not just seeing me right now in the flesh. You can see the spirit too because of the fact I'm moving. I've got personality. It's clear that there is life in this body, and that, that and so you see. While you can't maybe physically see the spirit. The evidence of the spirit is very clear, isn't it? It's, it's very clear. We all know the difference between a dead body and a living body. And the, only, and the difference between a living body and a dead body is the living body has a spirit, the dead body does not. So, the soul, alright? So, what about the soul? Well, what is that? Okay? Because in Genesis 2 7, you know, it says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The definition of soul is is the spiritual, rational, and immortal substance in man, which distinguishes him from brutes, that part of man which enables him to think and reason, and which renders him a subject of moral government. The immortality of the soul is the fundamental article of the Christian system. Such is the nature of human soul that it must have a God and object of supreme affection. So, I believe the soul is the thinking part of man. It's the part that has a conscience, it has morals, the soul is what guides us, okay? I'm not just, you know, we're not like animals, who animals, they have spirit, they have life, and they've got a body. But animals, what is it? what do animals do every day, okay? You, know, you can't have a conversation with your animal, with your dog, you know, hey, what are you going to do today, Rover, you know? And, and then he's going to just, you know, lay out his plans for the day. Okay. you know what he's going to do all day long. He's going to follow his instincts. Uh, that's it. And God put that in the in, in that animal. They know to eat. You know, they know to you know. There's certain things they know to do. I mean, I, I don't know what dogs do that's any good at all. But you know, you know, they they know certain things. They they just act on instincts every day. You know, I go out. You know, back when I used to go deer hunting a lot. You know, you'd watch those deer. What do those deer do every day? You know, it's just completely act. On instinct, they have no morals guiding them. They have no emotion, you know. They, you know, they, they, scream in pain sometimes if you shoot them and you don't get a good kill shot. All right, just offended all the ladies right there, but uh, you know, and, and you feel, and I feel bad when that happens. You know, I try to end them quick, but, uh, but you know, they, they don't have, they don't have emotion. They, they don't have morals. Uh, you, know, you can't carry on a conversation with them. And that's one of the big differences between a man and an animal. We don't just do whatever we feel like doing. Okay? We have a soul that guides us. We have morals. We have a conscience. We feel bad for things. We're sorry about stuff. Okay? That is our soul that does that. Our soul is what guides us. And when a person gets saved, okay, you know, what gets saved? You know, when I got saved, what got saved? You know, did my body get saved, my spirit get saved, or did my soul get saved? Okay, well, it was my soul that got saved. How is that? Because the thinking part of me came to a realization that I need a savior, that I am a sinner. The thinking part of me understood that. The thinking part of me is what believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That, and that's one of the reasons, too, salvation is not about works, because works are all about what we do in the flesh, isn't it? But it's our soul that needs to get saved. It's our soul that is eternal. And when I got saved, is my soul that got saved. That's why we go soul winning. And what do we do when we're soul winning? Do we try to baptize people? Do we try to get them to clean up their life? Or do we try to get them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay? We try to get them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because salvation... You know, it's a, it's a repentance. It's a change of the mind It's to go from unbelief to belief. And when that happens, that person's soul gets saved. There is no physical change that takes place in their body right when they get saved, but their soul gets saved when it puts its faith and trust in Christ. And the soul is the most important part of a man. That is the most important part. You know, was man profit if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul is never going to go away. When you die, if you're lost, you, who you really are, it's the thinking part of you, okay, really, and you can say who I'm talking to, who it is that I know, it will go to hell and be there for all eternity. And a soul, it can. It can think, it can see, it can feel, it can thirst. We see every bit of that with the rich man, don't we? That rich man, when he died, his body was put in a grave, but in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham afar off. He's thirsty. He wants somebody to bring water to him to to cool his tongue because he's tormented in the flames. That rich man, he he worried. Okay, he worried about his brothers. He didn't want them to come to that place of torment. He was able to think he had those memories. He knew who Lazarus was. And that's who we really are, isn't it? Our soul is who we really are. You know, the spirit is just kind of the personality. It's what we can see. Okay? But the soul is who we really are. And that soul is the most important thing. The soul is, you know, it's our true identity. It is the eternal part of me. It's who, it's, it's who I really am. And so the soul, you could say, it's the part of us between the body and the spirit, you know, because our sinful body, it has life and it's very capable of doing things that are very evil or very good. Now, and what determines what this body that has life does? It's my soul, isn't it? My soul determines what it does. Okay, am I, because I have a spirit and a body, I'm physically capable of doing great harm, aren't I? But my soul won't let me do that. Okay, my soul, my conscience, it won't let me go shoot up a bunch of people. It, it, it won't let me do that. It's guiding me. It will stop me from that. Okay, if my spirit leaves this body, there's nothing to worry about. My body can't do anything. Okay. And so the Spirit, it's like, like the Spirit, our soul is connected to the body also. Matthew 26, verse 38 says, Then saith he unto them, Jesus is talking here, He said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Jesus was so upset and uh, about what He was about to face. Drinking that cup of sin we see how he sweat as it were great drops of blood. He was in great anguish and stress and it was in the soul. Okay? Physically, there was nothing wrong with him, but because of what he knew in his mind was about to come, it affected him to the point he's sweating blood and he's almost to the point of death. So think about that. All Everything that was going on with him was in his soul, but look at how it affected his body. I think that's a pretty interesting thing there. Second Peter 2 Peter eight says, For that righteous man, talking about Lot, dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot didn't do the things that the people of Sodom did. But because he saw with his eyes, because he heard with his ears, he vexed his soul. It literally, I mean, it, it affect what was he's seen here with his body, is affecting his soul because our body, soul, and spirit, they are all connected. And so, there are sins that our body may be pure from, but our souls are not. Okay? Lot wasn't a queer. He didn't do any of that junk. But you know what? He had to see that stuff every day. And it, uh, it vexed his soul. It harmed his soul. Matthew 5.27 Ye have heard that it was said of them by old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So you see the things that we see, the things that we watch, even if we don't physically do them, they affect our soul. They affect our spirit. These things are all connected. And our soul can often be in turmoil because it's fighting against the flesh. That flesh is trying to get with it once we're fighting it in our soul. When Jesus prayed in the garden, he was in temptation. We saw that in Hebrews because his holy body didn't want to drink the cup of sin. And, but he was obedient in that hour of temptation. We saw that going through Hebrews. So to kind of illustrate this, a few examples. So let's, all right, let's take man. All right, let's take myself, for example. So what would happen, to help us understand this, what would happen if Tommy McMurtry, body, soul, and spirit? All right? There's three of me right here. What would happen if we removed my spirit? We got a dead body, right? I'm dead without the spirit. So if and so if a person was saved, if I'm saved, and I'm saved, my soul and my spirit will go to heaven, okay? Because I have eternal life, okay? Me, Tommy McMurtry, who I am, my soul. Okay. It has eternal life. And so my soul and my spirit, it's going to go to heaven. Okay. If we have a lost man and his spirit leaves the body, his spirit goes back to where it came from. But his soul, who he really is, his identity, the thinking part of him, it goes to hell. His body rots in the grave. that's That's what happens in that situation. And so, you know, in the revelation in the great white throne, the lost people, they're all gonna be resurrected. We're gonna have a soul and we're gonna have a body, but no spirit. And that's why it says, I saw the dead. Okay? We don't think of that as being dead because they're standing there, right? But at the same time, no, they're dead, they have no spirit, they have no life, that comes from God, and they are just they're just walking again, only to be cast in the lake of fire. So, um, what would happen if we removed the soul from man? And I I know physically we can't just do that, but what if all of a sudden I had no soul? I'm pretty much like an animal. Okay? And I don't, and, and I personally believe that this is what a reprobate is. Okay, now, yes, they have a soul that's still there in their body, but... At the same time, the body talks about those whose conscience are steered with a hot iron, it talks about those who are past feeling, it talks about those who are twice dead, it talks about those who are brute beasts. Okay? People who are reprobate, I believe that's a person whose soul is pretty much just gone. And we often will use that phrase, like they have no soul. And the truth is their soul, I mean it's like it's dead. It's not doing anything anymore. It's not it's not stopping that body and spirit from doing a horrible thing. And when you have a human body with spirit in it, with life in it, it can do some horrible things. Hey, I encourage you to go watch the documentary Psychopath Reprobates that just came out. I think that explains, you know, people very well. The world calls them psychopaths. The Bible calls them reprobates. These are people, they can't be fixed. They can't be cured. And they are capable of anything. The Bible says they should be put down. You know, society says we just need to lock them up forever. But why, why is that? Because it's like these people, they've lost their souls. And as, as a result of that, they are capable of, of anything. Because that, like I said, that animal, it just acts on instincts. Okay? An animal, you know, if it feels like it needs to, if it gets hungry enough, you know, it'll eat. You know, a dog will eat another dog. You know, I've seen cats eat other cats. Right, it's disgusting I, I got traumatized one time we had fish a long time ago and once again you know our pets always die and I remember one time we had this one fish and it was eating one of the other fish the thing was still alive and the thing, it was eating it I hated that fish alright it was a cannibal fish we moved not long after that and that one fish was still alive it like killed all the others this cannibal fish and uh, can you get in trouble for talking about doing stuff with fish it's like you know we need to get rid of the fish I, I flushed it down the toilet I was like, you know what, well, forget that thing. This stinking cannibal fish. It doesn't deserve to live. Yeah. yeah. Now why would it do that? You know, it's it doesn't have a soul. Okay? But yet look at the things that people do today. The horrible, disgusting things that people do. You know, you think about just the nasty, dirty things that dogs do. You know, sodomites are often compared to dogs. Dogs will do some disgusting things, folks. Well, I don't know why you have dogs for pets, alright? They're they're gross. All right, they're, they're really good. I understand if you take care of them, they might not feel the need to do those things. But let me tell you something. Your cute little puppy, if it got hungry enough, it would eat your face. All right, I mean, if it felt like it needed to, if it got hungry enough, it would eat your face. All right, just just remember that about dogs. It would eat your baby if it felt the need to. You know, they make them seem all loyal and wonderful on Old Yeller. But you know what, even Old Yeller, he gets just a little bit of rabies or something. And what's he do? You know, they, they had to shoot him. You know, that's it. You know, it, it got sick, and and even old Yeller got you know just too so bad they had to put him down. And that's how people get sometimes. It's like their soul dies, and the Bible talks a lot about people like that. And I you know I think we call, we call those reprobates. Second Peter two ten says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they self willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might uh, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. It says they're like natural brute beasts. Why is that? Because beasts have a spirit and a body, but they don't have a soul. And there are people that are like that. It's like they have no soul, and it says they're made to be taken and destroyed. Speaking of those things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Okay, the Bible speaks pretty strongly about people like that. And there are people out there, they have, they're living, their spirit is still in their body, but their soul is, is history. Their soul, you could kind of say, is it's in a coma. All right? It's there in their body, but it's, it's not guiding them anymore. It's not restraining them anymore. And these people will do whatever they feel like doing at that particular moment. They, they might hold, the only thing that's holding some of these people back is like an animal. They have a survival instinct. Okay. They don't want to be locked up. They don't want to go to prison. They don't want to be, they don't want to be put to death. And so a lot of these reprobates, they might seem like nice people okay? because they've got a survival instinct, but if they knew they could get away with it, they would do the most horrible, vile things to you, to your children, because they're, they're animals. Natural brute beasts, okay? So, I don't think my dog would chew my face off, all right? Well, it said, if it got hungry, if the situation was right, it felt the need, it would do that. And you know what? Oh, I, I don't think, you know, my homosexual friend that I've got would do something like that. Well, given the opportunity, given the right circumstances, the right situation, they absolutely would do whatever abominable thing they can think of. That's just how they are. There's, there's nothing driving them anymore. There's nothing holding them back except for survival instincts. And so you've got to watch out for those people. First uh, Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaks expressly in the la- latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They just can't even feel anything anymore. They have no feeling. We've seen some of these people, they sit in court and they smug and they smile and they laugh at things. It doesn't even bother them. It doesn't bother them to see the pictures of the bodies that they killed. It doesn't bother them at all. Their conscience are seared with a hide iron. So my soul, you know, it was saved not when I did something in my body, but when with the mind, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning I trusted in His work and I accepted the gift of salvation. Hebrews 9.13 13. 13 for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified, purify in the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Y'all see that? Purge our conscience. It's, it's teaching us something. It's something that we understand, that we learn in the mind. And that's when our soul gets saved. And so... What if we remove the body? All right, we got a soul and spirit. We remove the body. Well, it's basically the same thing if we remove the spirit. Okay, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Second Corinthians five, uh, eight. It says that. And so, you know, what are we to learn from all this? You know, why is it important to understand these things? Well, personally, for one thing, our world is completely obsessed with the body, isn't it? It's all about the body. Now, listen, our body's important. We ought to take care of our bodies. We ought to try to be healthy. All that, all those things are important. But do you understand that the body is the worst part of us? The body is the most temporary part of us. And the body is what our world completely focuses on. It's it's just disgusting just how obsessed people are with their image. You know, always just taking pictures of themselves and just, you know, just obsessed with the body you know, having surgeries and things to just improve their looks and stuff. I mean, what, what a joke. And that's our world today because our world is carnal. And you know what? We are carnal. We are fleshly. And so it kind of makes sense that that's how we'd be. But the truth is, our soul should be our focus. Our soul is what needs to get saved. Okay? Because our soul is eternal. Saved or lost. Okay? This body one day, it's going to end, it's going to be put in the ground, but this soul is going to go somewhere. And it's going to be there for all eternity. It's going to be in either heaven or hell. So while, yes, the body's important, the soul is so much more important than the body. It is the most important thing. And that's why we go soul winning, not like most churches, and go body winning. What do you mean by that? They want to do whatever they can to just get bodies in the church. You know, they'll compromise whatever they have to to get bodies in the church. They'll bring enter all the fancy entertainment in the church so they can have bodies in the church. So they can have people in the church, but they're scared to death to preach the tr- truth. They'll actually get these people's souls saved. They'll do anything. They'll do any, you know they do all these things out in public to make themselves look good, but they refuse to just go out and spread the gospel, trying to win souls. I would rather win the person's soul than win the body. I don't want to have a church full of lost people that are just going to go to hell for all eternity. Who cares about that? Yeah, I want some bodies in here too, but I want souls because that is way more important than bodies. And our spirit or our life, it's something that comes from God. And if we don't receive the gift of eternal life, then one day we will lose that spirit. We will lose that life. And with that, we will lose our soul, and, and be in hell for all eternity. The spirit or life of Tommy McMurtry will not last forever, but the Holy Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit that God has given me, it's eternal. Amen. And because I, the soul, Tommy McMurtry, has the spirit of God, I, Tommy McMurtry, the soul, will live forever. I have eternal life. My body's going to die one of these days. But because Jesus Christ came in the flesh, lived a perfect life in the flesh, died in the flesh, rose again in the flesh, guess what? One of these days, my body's going to come back to life too. And my body then will be eternal. My body, my, And so my soul, body, and spirit will one day all be saved. Right now, my soul is saved. Right now, my spirit is saved. Those are, those are going on forever. My body's going to die one of these days, but when Jesus Christ returns, then my body will be saved. And then I won't have to deal with sin anymore. And so the main lesson we need to get from all this, while some of the stuff might have been confusing, might not have explained a lot of that the best way, the thing that we need to get from this is to use the Word of God to help divide that soul and spirit from the joints and the marrow. To learn, to use the scriptures to claim the promises of God and get, and help, use it to help it get our body out of the way. Our body's what messes everything up. Our body's what gets us in trouble. And if we would, and if we can use the Word of God, it will help us with that. We'll be able to walk in the Spirit and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But all these things, they, they're just kind of naturally connected and it's like we've got to use the Word of God to kind of separate them in a sense. That way, we're not giving in. That way, when we are sick, when we are in pain, when we're going difficult time, through difficult, difficult times, we can still be joyful. We can still have a good spirit. Well, Where's that going to come from? It's only going to come from the Word of God. It's going to come from claiming the promises of God. And so I hope that was a help to you. I hope that was uh, clear and not too confusing. And I hope that you will use the Word of God and claim those promises, so you can walk in the spirit and get that sorry bag of bones that you carry around out of the way. All right, take care of it the best you can. But ultimately, we need to learn how to just not let it control what we do, not let it control our spirit. And so, with that, let's pray, dear Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We pray you'll help us to to follow these things, Lord. I pray you'll help us to walk in the spirit. I pray you'll help us to claim your promises in the Bible to help us. Uh, separate those things in a sense Lord to just that uh, we'll, we'll get our body out of the way and we'll uh, be spiritual people. We'll be like men like Stephen. we'll be like guys like the Apostle Paul who was weak in the flesh Lord but he was so strong in the Spirit was able to do amazing things and I pray you'll uh, just help us to be victorious in that and I just I, I thank you so much for the promises you give. I thank you that we have eternal life and uh, we, th- we thank you for that promise also Lord in your name we pray. Amen.